Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys, um, quick reminder, the Australian Bushfire Fundraiser is Thursday, March 6th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Sister City. If you're in New York and interested, a link to buy tickets is in the Instagram bio. Okay, for today, Chris Gillette is my guest. After nearly two decades in litigation practice, Chris took his hobby of photography and grew it into a full-time, profitable headshot photography business. Chris shows us that prioritizing time, pursuing an interest, can really open up doors down the road. And for him, that actually only took a few years. His story also emphasizes a theme we've discussed before, which is that there are seasons in your life and career if you just allow there to be. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me today. Megan, it is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I like to start at the beginning with everyone, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what took you to law school in the first place. So I've I've listened to several episodes. I I like the podcast a lot. I'm a fan. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I unfortunately have an answer that that you get sometimes, which is (laughs) I was a default. I just didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Um, I was really lucky, and my, my grandparents helped me out with my undergrad, so I had no debt going into law school. So it really, I, yeah. I didn't feel like it was that big a deal to take out some loans and go to law school. And you know, like everybody told me, oh, it's even if you don't end up using it, it's a great, it's great education to have. And uh, anyway, so I unfortunately set my foot on that path. Yeah. I mean, yes. And as you have now learned, I think we're all in good company in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you like law school? I hated it. Oh, really? <laughs> See, now that is an unusual answer. I don't actually get that one a lot. Yeah, I did not care for it. I knew the first day that it was not for me. Um, yeah. And there are probably, you know, multiple factors, but one thing is just that my mind does not work that way very well. Hmm. Um, school is always a bit of a struggle for me. And that's um, funny. I had a torch professor who I don't think he was trying to channel Kingsfield or whatever that guy in the paper chase is. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the first time I had to recite in class, he said something like, I'll probably get it wrong, but he said something like, Mr. Gillette, we, do you know what I'm referencing if I refer to the ghost of Marley <laughs> or something like yeah. that? And I just looked at yeah. him and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Didn't get for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. So, but you stuck through it. You stayed, you graduated. Yeah. I, I wish I could say that I'm the kind of person who just never gives up. Um, but really, I'm just the kind of person that once I go start going one way, I'm either too lazy or whatever to, to bail out, which I didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. So when you graduated, what did you do? I'd been clerking for a firm, a small firm that did primarily business litigation. And when I graduated, God, I hope I don't get 
I don't know. I feel like my memory's gotten terrible and may get some of the <laughs> details wrong, but yeah. I continued to clerk for them. And then when I passed the bar and they made me an offer and I started working for them as an associate. Mm-hmm. In litigation? It was primarily business litigation, yes. Yeah, yeah. And how long were you in that position? I was with that firm for you know, approximately six years. And um, I really liked the guy who owned the firm. And um, when I left, it was because I felt like I'd learned everything that I could there, uh, even though I was as happy as I could be in that type of a job. Yeah. uh, It was tough. I felt like I was breaking up with somebody when I you know, told them was, it's hard. <laughs> I know. I always say that when I left the firm I worked at, you know, the partner who who I'm still in touch with. He's, you know, I had the same experience that it wasn't a bad place. But he's like, well, was it us? <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's just my my journey in law ends here, but it's not you. <laughs> yeah, my boss um, was this guy named Charlie Hinky, and he's still a really good friend of mine now, which I think speaks very well of him. Um, yeah. And then after that, I jumped to a firm that uh, did commercial. Uh, <laughs> my mind is failing me. It was, it was insurance defense. Um, okay. And I thought I'd get some trial experience there and, you know, a little more, maybe a little bit more volume, which ended up being the case. And I was there for, again, like six, seven years. And then I jumped to the last firm I went to. Uh, it was more of a trial boutique doing... Uh, commercial litigation stuff. You sound so excited about it. (laughs) Uh, Not not my thing. (laughs) But that's a lot, you know, you add that up and that's a lot of years of you (laughs) doing something that you weren't in love with. And I wonder, you know, what was, what were you thinking throughout that process that were you just sort of thinking, well, I'm on this path, this is just where I'm going to stay. Or did you sort of feel like, you know, you might eventually leave? I never thought about leaving. Um, yeah. There were several factors. I mean, one, there's just a certain inertia with, with the career where, hey, this is what I'm doing to earn a living, and now I've got a family, and um, you know, at, at least it, in the middle of that journey, it would be hard, even if I had gotten the idea that I got eventually to leave, it would be hard for right. me to pull the trigger when... I don't know. I just, at the end of when I, when I hit 19 years and, and I can tell you specifically about how the decision came about, but yeah. it was easier to do then, even though I still had that uh, maybe a bit of career inertia going on. I didn't, you know, I had two kids who were almost emancipated. I had a third who was not nearly emancipated, but um, you know, that where you are in life makes a difference. And yeah. I, I don't know what else I would have done. It's not like, I mean, we probably, everybody listening to this probably has all sorts of amazing friends who have options. And I felt like I yeah. really didn't have an option. I could, I, I could be a lawyer somewhere or I don't know what else I would do. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember feeling like that. And I think a lot of people do that. It's, um, I mean, part of why we ended up in law school for a lot of us was more a default because there wasn't a better answer. <laughs> yeah. And we may not have been, you know, inspired by something else in the interim. So I think it is hard to make a big leap when you're not quite sure what you'd be leaping to. Yeah. Um, but you did eventually leave the law. I did. Um, How did that come about? So there are a couple of elements to the story. Um, 
so my family is, uh, I'm divorced now, but I've got two kids who are in college. One's about to graduate. And then I also have a 10 year old, a mm-hmm. bonus baby, um, all with the same mom. And when the bonus baby was on his way, I'd been through babies once before, so I knew what it was like. And yeah. I knew that, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of time and, uh, going to be lacking sleep and all that stuff. And so I thought, all right, well, I'm going to be really responsible about this. I'm going to put all of my hobbies on hold. All the extracurriculars, I'm just going to freeze them so that I'm doing it you know, volitionally as opposed to just you know, not having the time for it, maybe gritching about it later. Yeah. And I instantly regretted doing that. Um, because I hated what I did for a living. And so <laughs> I like having those extracurriculars. <clears throat> yeah. And so I got this idea that, oh, you know what I want to do? I want to learn how to take really good pictures of my family. Yeah. Um, I mean, can you believe this? What a nice husband and father. How could you get this <laughs> Right. Um, so, and this was before camera phones were really a thing. And so I, you know, I bought and used a little digital SLR and started trying to learn how to use it. And it was a slow process. And I didn't really have any goal other than, hey, I'd like to get better at taking pictures of my family. And I did yeah. that for a few years and, you know, went through all the beginner mistakes. and Eventually got to a point where I thought I was doing okay pictures of my family. Um, it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was one of the situations where the, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is... <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar no. with it? Okay. Yes, but please, please explain. It's the idea that, and it's one of these things in psychology that you hear and you go, well, yeah, it's just common sense. But it's the idea that the worse people are at something, the more likely it is that they don't understand how bad they are at it. And I guess it's, you know, the idea is, well, if you're not knowledgeable about the thing, you don't have a sophisticated view of it and you don't realize how bad you are at it. So I probably thought I was better than I was at it, but I was enjoying it and that was great. And then yeah. um, one day a buddy of mine contacted me and he said, hey, I need a headshot for work. Can you do a headshot for me? And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> and it was a disaster. Um, oh no. <laughs> this was a nice looking fella and I could not make him look good. And uh, frustrated. And so that's first thing that got me started thinking about, hey, you know, headshots, what are headshots? How do you do good ones? Why is it so hard to do good ones? And um, so that was the first big piece. And I spent mm-hmm. time looking online, trying to find information about it, not with an idea that, hey, I'm going to do this for a living someday, or even that I'm going to really spend a significant time doing it. I was just kind of curious. Yeah. I couldn't really find anything online. There's a bunch of information now, but uh, back then I couldn't find anything. And so my next step was, all right, I'm going to look for really good headshots online and maybe I can learn something from, you know, work that I like. And that took me a while. I found a whole lot of stuff I thought was competent, but nothing that really blew me away. Mm -hmm. And then one day I found some shots. They're all actors in Manhattan. Um, but they're all by this guy named Peter Hurley. And I thought they were amazing. I mean, just light years ahead of anything else I'd seen. And I said, yeah, these are good headshots. How does he do this? Mm-hmm. And I studied him for a while. And one day I picked up the phone and I called his studio. Wow. <laughs> he answered the phone. Yeah. And I ended up talking to him for about 15 minutes. Um, 
and I'm never going to have the kind of luck where, you know, I run the lottery or anything like that. But I feel like from time to time, I have pretty good luck with timing. Yeah. And I had called him just at the right time. Um, he, if I called him six months earlier, he would have had no interest in wasting time talking to me about what he did to earn a living. Yeah. He is, I think he's the, the best in the world at it. And so do other photographers and a photographer buddy of his had, had spoken to him about, Hey, you need to teach, you need to, you need to teach people because nobody does what you do. Yeah. And he was kind of thinking that way when I contacted him. So I, I got with him right at the beginning of, of, of that journey for him. Yeah. And he ended up, you know, he's, he's a close friend of mine now. I shot with him once in Dallas. I shot with him once in Manhattan for, I don't know, maybe an 18th month, 18 month period. He would look at my work maybe once a month and you know, tell me what he did. And this is all still as a hobby for you at it's this point, right? Weird hobby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, weird or whatever, but it's what, it was what was interesting you. Yeah, it was, it's, it, yeah. it is, it's really, it's for such a simple thing and for such a seemingly prosaic thing, because, you know, a lot of the lawyers listening to this probably had professional headshots done. And, you know, what's the big deal? Um, and I found that I enjoyed it and felt like I sort of had an aptitude for it. Although at the beginning, you know, it was terrible. And then I probably hit that Dunning-Kruger point. Somehow I muscled through that and just got to where yeah. I actually made Well, it. and at the other side of that is that it is possible to learn new things, right? Like you don't have to be the best at something right out of the gates, which I think as lawyers, we start to forget that you, know, yeah. you, you can't just go and learn something new. Yeah. I was really lucky in that I was doing it as a hobby. So there's no pressure. I'm doing, you know, friends, family and freebies. Yeah. Just kind of enjoying it and trying to get better at it. So when did that sort of move from hobby to something you thought about doing professionally? So there was an in-between period where yeah. I'd gotten better and was actually you know, charging people for it. Um, still considered it a hobby, but I thought, you know, I feel like the work that I'm doing is at least as good as what I see other people doing in town. And I might as well charge for my time and it can help offset the cost of what is a you know pretty expensive hobby. So yeah, um, I had that middle ground. And then um, one day, it was in it was uh, the end of 2015, and I, it, most of 2015, I was I was shooting a lot. I would you know be downtown at the law office Monday through Friday, and then most weekends I'd you know, maybe have a couple of clients on Saturday, a couple on Sunday, with some exceptions. There are a few weekends where I gave myself a break, and there were a few weekends where I thought maybe I was going to get called to trial, so I was you know spending time doing trial prep stuff, but uh, usually I'm doing that. Um, if I had been doing seven days a week of legal work, I would have been yeah. even more miserable than I was, and ungrateful for the work, and it just would have been bad news, but I, would, I was enjoying 2015. Yeah. And then in December, I was talking to one of the fellows I worked with, and we were talking about, you know, client development. Um, my book of business had started to slow down a, a little bit. And so we were talking about that kind of stuff. And uh, this was a good shop. A couple of these guys are former Marines and just good people. 
you know, mm-hmm. touchy feely. I don't want to hug or anything like that, but you know, just <laughs> decent human beings. Yeah. And I was talking to this one guy and I said something to him like, you know, the problem is I hate this shit. <laughs> so yeah. It's hard for me to yeah. get excited about yeah. doing <laughs> try to get you know, clients that, you know, and I've got, I had a friend who was involved with the ABA and that somehow got him work. And I just didn't see myself ever doing that. Right. And this guy says to me, uh, I wish I could remember exactly how he said it because he said it, you know, just a, a lovely way. But he said something like, you know what you need to think about doing? Just go with counsel to the firm, you know, work whenever you need to make money, but go do that other thing because that's what you love. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation when he started that sentence and I could tell where he was going with it. I had that fear response in my stomach, like, you know, yeah. And then at the end of the sentence, I thought, maybe, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. And so we kind of talked about it and I thought, you know, actually, I think I got a chance to pull that off. I think I could do it. And it felt the fear went away and I, and I felt really good about it. I mean, this is a crappy metaphor, but you know, I felt like a blanket had been taken off of me. You know, it was like, yeah, it was out for summer and, uh, yeah. or I did hit the lottery. I mean, it just felt good. And, right. Like it's sort of like maybe in the back of your head, I don't know, had you kind of thought about that in the past, but rejected it I think, or had you not even thought about it? I think maybe I did. Um, I don't, I don't have a specific memory of it, but I, I, I feel like maybe I did and yeah. just dismissed it. If not, and if right. I thought about it, I don't know, eight years prior, then that would have you know not been as good a time for me to do it. Uh, right. A lot of, so how, and how long had you been doing the photography as a hobby at this point? I think I started doing it in 2000. 13, 2014. Okay. So, so a couple of years. Yeah. It must have been 13. Yeah. I feel like it was probably about three years I've been doing it. Yeah. Hobby. And before I walked out of his office that day, I, you know, I said, I think I said something to him like, would you, would you be mad at me if I did that? And he said, no, I'd be happy for you. Yeah. Everybody else. And he said, forget them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's so common with us. I just think, like, for some reason, we don't think these things are possible, and we're worried what it, other people are going to think. But then, just a little bit of permission goes a long way. Even though, like, why do you need permission from this guy, right? But it just feels it just puts it in a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't want to let them down, or yeah, I'm sure I did to some extent, but um, it felt great and as I was walking in my car that night, so I'm not, if I know a lot of folks that say, Oh, you know, everything happens for a reason and that's fine. I mean, I wouldn't tell them they're wrong. I don't happen to believe that, but that's great. Um, but as I'm walking in my car that night, Hurley calls me out of the blue. Um, and you know, he was kind of my mentor in this stuff. And, I rarely reach out to him because even back then people were just constantly praying on his time and I just didn't like to bug him. And so he, I would usually wait for him to holler at me. And, uh, and then he said, well, you know what this means now? You're a full-time photographer. And it felt pretty good. Uh, I was excited and uh, just, I don't know, I just felt, I felt at ease. And 
went home that night and ever since that day I've had this I don't know I've just been a little bit happier than I would be otherwise yeah absolutely um so how did you go about I mean that's it's a nice exciting idea on that day but how do you take it from that idea to actually leaving the job and you know you had alluded to the fact that it would be easier to do at this point than say eight years ago when you had more young children but were there things that were still hard walking away from this sort of reliable good job that you'd invested all this time and effort in you know it really wasn't that hard um if i had been in a situation where i was paycheck to paycheck or something like that then yeah oh my gosh i don't know how you do that Um, yeah i was in a situation where yeah, I need to work and I need to make money, but I wasn't desperate. And um, it helped me be brave about certain things. That, and it was really helpful for my current career. Just as an example, you know, there's certain work that I want to do and I want to do it a certain way and I want to do it for certain people. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I'm not going to do anything else. Uh, yeah. It made it really easy to say no to work I didn't want to do. Um, yeah, I, I still turn away clients all the time. It's interesting. It's very much like, you know, case intake. Sometimes they want to hire me for something that's not in my area of expertise, or I just get a bunch of red flags or whatever. Uh, it allowed me to be very clear about what it is I was doing. Yeah. And the transition wasn't that hard. I mean, I had to you know, it's not like I was setting up another law firm. I don't, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> and, uh, you need an right. Well, account, again, right? especially if you don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something like that is just is more complicated. I needed to do a few things, but I, I basically had all the equipment I needed to do it. I had, although I've gotten a lot better since then, I had a lot of the knowledge I needed. It was mainly just ramping up to do it full time. Right. And that first year that's pretty much what I did. I didn't spend a lot of time trying to get clients. I was already getting in clients as part of my my hobby version of it. Uh, right. So that wasn't a, a big deal. Um, but I certainly didn't do as well as it, like the year after. So I started doing it full-time January of 16. January of seven, or 2017, yeah, my numbers were up by almost 100%. Right. And uh, it's just been increasing ever since then. But that first year, yeah. I, I gave myself permission to not be lazy, but not to be worried and just to get everything set up so that once I did get busy, it would work smoothly, right. which you know, I was not 100% successful at that. But at least I was successful at getting busy enough that I had more work than I could handle. Yeah. And having, you know, been able to put yourself in a position before you left the job to know that you could give yourself that year to ramp up. Yeah, that was huge. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think people sometimes think, oh, I could just never do it because I can't move from 100% to 100%. Um, But if, if you plan it correctly, and you sort of build up, I think it's, you know, you may not replace your income immediately, but there are ways to mitigate these things and make it possible. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. So what did sort of the rest of the people in your life, the people you worked with, your family, what did they, what was their reaction to this change? 
I don't remember any negative responses. I remember yeah. most people either being happy for me or hopeful for me or excited. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things. I just, I, I love it so much that even if I'd gotten a bunch of negative reactions, I don't know that it would have bugged me too much. Um, right. I've got enough passion about it. I've got enough clarity that I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, if other people don't like it, then I, I really right. don't care. But I, I, I think clarity is such a gift. You know, I think that's what everyone's looking for is that I think we as lawyers are good at executing once we know what we're supposed to execute. Mm -hmm. It's it's getting that clarity on, on what we're supposed to be doing that can be challenging sometimes. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling and it and it touches all aspects of my life. It makes me better at everything. You know, um, yeah. just um general way to say it is I'm just a generally much happier person. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. So do you feel like, are there things that you brought with you from the practice of law that help you in your photography business? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, I guess, you know, we talked about law school and I talked about I, I hated it and I did, yeah. but there were, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit better about seeing the bright side of things. And um, I'll mention one thing that I don't know applies tremendously to what I do now, but I appreciate it a lot. And that was just, you know, learning how to think clearly and logically about things and, you know, see through the stuff that doesn't matter and focus on the stuff that does. Uh, that's yeah. fantastic. I'm, I'm actually very grateful for that. For what I do now, um, it, it, maybe law school wasn't, but the litigation actually was very helpful for what I do now. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Oh, that's so, yeah. One is, uh, you know, it, when I started that clerking at that firm and thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be, you know, I'm going into litigation. One problem that I had was that uh, I was a very introverted kind of person generally or uh, inherently I mean, that's kind of how I am and so yeah. I needed to get over that because that doesn't work uh, yeah and so I took a you know a class that required some public speaking in law school and then the public speaking and so that got me a little more uh, comfortable with it and then of course the litigation there's all sorts of stuff where you're talking and everybody else has to look at you you know like you know picking a jury or something like that for example um, yeah. And that helped me be comfortable being in charge. Um, you know, when I was a, a lawyer, the firms would hire these headshot photographers to come in and take pictures of us. And I'm very ugly about it now because looking back on it, it pisses me off. Because um, <laughs> I look like a nut. I remember those people coming into our offices at the firm and it was just like, here, hold this apple or something. I'd be like, that, why is that something I would do? <laughs> we have to talk about that off, <laughs> off camera. I'm not, I'm not familiar. I need to know about the apple. Uh, but yeah, these guys would come in and they would point the camera at me and they would say, okay, smile. One, two, three. Essentially, just leave it up to me. And I, right. what I naturally do in, or did back then in front of the camera was look nuts. And I thought it was my fault. You know, I thought, well, if yeah. I look like George Clooney, I'd look good in headshots. And I just don't, you know, not good looking enough. Yeah. And ab it's one of the biggest misconceptions people have about this stuff. And there are many. But one of the biggest ones is that certain folks have certain 
combination of facial features that just makes them always look good in pictures. And it's right. not true at all. It's doing the right stuff in front of the camera. You know, when I lecture about yeah. this stuff, one of my favorite things to show people is I've got this series of pictures of Brad Pitt going back in time. Yeah. Because a guy might say, well, if I look like Brad Pitt, I'd look good in pictures. And right. he, you know, he looks cool. He looks cool. He looks cool. And then you go back to 1987 when he must have first started. And don't get me wrong. He's a little Adonis. But he looked, yeah. and it's a studio shot, so it's controlled, and he looks creepy yeah. and uncomfortable. Right. Um, it's what you've done from the camera. And so, you know, these people, I mean, they, again, I, I'm a little ugly about it now because I, I feel like they had something that they were doing something that's important and affects people uh, pretty strongly, and they were not taking it as seriously as they should. I mean, these are people that, if life had gone differently, might be, you know, changing the toner in the copying machines or something. Um, okay, smile. Um, and the way that I do it, it's like I'm consulting for my clients. You know, I'm coaching and directing them the whole time because, of course, they don't know what to do in front of the camera. Why, why should they? Right. Uh, and to do that, i got to be in charge. And usually, if people are hiring me individually, yeah, they're, you know, they're down with the cause, and, and I don't have to worry about that too much. But sometimes I do. And then sometimes I'm working for a, a company, and the person's just there because they have to be there. And if they want to be in charge, I can't let them. And I'm going to do that. So the, that aspect of litigation, being in charge, and, and maybe even being the center of attention for a moment in a situation where everybody hates you. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and then... Um, like depositions were helpful with that too, where I don't care what you bring into this. I know where I want to get. And even if you try to get me off track, I'm going to get you here. This is where I need to get. And I don't know if I'm probably not describing it well enough, but I really think it was helpful for me. Like, you know, if I, the guy who would say, okay, smile, Mr. Gillette's one, two, three. He's not going to tell the guy in front of his camera, turn your fucking nose to the left. Like, right, right. (laughs) right. Um, It's crazy. You know, taboo language is just, I I won't run down a lot of rabbit trails like this with a lot of specific stuff about what I do now. But, um, you know, sometimes Taboo language is almost like grabbing somebody by the shoulders and shaking them, and it right like what you know. Uh, it makes it easy for me to do stuff like that because sometimes I need to, or sometimes I need to say offensive things to people, or maybe I need to handle it a completely different way. Just like with a you know a witness, you know this kind of person may be handled in this way, and this other kind of person you've Sherlock figured out. All right, yeah, yeah. And so those aspects of help me out with this a lot and so yeah for that i'm very grateful yeah plus i would imagine just with age we all get more comfortable sort of with our own authority about things right so you know it might have been you know i do think timing is everything so you know you've moved on in both what you did in your job and just you know life have probably put you in a position of being better at this career than you would have been 20 years ago. I agree. Yeah. You know, so sort of following on that, like looking back, would you do anything differently with your career with the benefit of hindsight? Or do you feel like it sort of the timing of it worked the way it had to? I think more of the latter. Um, 
I love where I am now. And yeah, I wish that I could have done it for two decades. But the things that we were just talking about kind of put me in a position where I can be successful at this. If I tried to do this 20 years ago, I was the wrong person to do it, the wrong kind of person to do it. Technology yeah. wasn't where it needed to be. Like the way yeah. the digital technology is a big part of it. We can see the images instantly. Part of right. Talking about them is part of how I do it. We look at them and talk about them. Um, yeah, all that stuff would make it hard. The only thing I could imagine changing would be maybe advising myself to make the jump a couple of years earlier. But yeah, that, that's the only thing I think I could have bettered myself. That is just a couple of years. And so I, I feel. Yeah. Well, over the course of a career, that's not, that's not a bad <laughs> couple of years. Isn't such a bad <laughs> regret. So what is on the horizon for the future? Just more of this business. Do you see it sort of staying on the same trajectory? Well, I definitely want to continue doing what I'm doing because it's going really well. Like last year, was fantastic. Most of the year, I was booked out about a month in advance, and and I'm low volume. I limit myself to one client in the morning, one client in the afternoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. Different if I'm if a company hires me, I go to them. That's right. Different, but for individuals who hire me, that's the way I do it. But yeah, it's funny. It adds up. I mean, I probably shoot over 600 people a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that does add up. Get a lot of that bats. You know, it's great that I had a place to be bad. Um, and we didn't talk about this. I think this is important. Doing yeah. it as a hobby, I had a place to be bad. Right. Great. I, and I, I use that term. I've got friends who are say, yeah, you need a place to be bad. And I had a place to be bad. And now I'm just honing it, refining it with all the, all the you know, at bats I'm getting every year. But I want to keep doing that because it's going well and I love it. And yeah. Clients like it. The only thing major that I can see doing would be just expanding my business a little bit, whether, you know, yeah. that's adding other services or having other photographers work with me. I mean, I've got all sorts yeah. of ideas about that. I just want to make sure that the, you know, the core part of it continues to improve the tough thing about it is you know it's a i don't know if it's the best business model part of the business model is trying to do better than anybody else in the third largest county in the nation right that's great that means i gotta do it and so um definitely thinking about different things i can do with it but right now i'm still still haven't peaked yet with what i do and so yeah. Kind of keep on that path a little bit too. Yeah. And I take it based on our conversation that there's no part of you that thinks, oh, maybe I'd drop back into law here or there. Yeah, I, really don't, <laughs> I really don't think I could do it. It's like, I have like a weird, it's hard for me to explain to people, but I feel like I have a weird emotional reaction to it. Um, yeah. Like a lot of photographers know that I used to be a lawyer and they'll ask me legal questions. And if it's just really short, I know it off the top of my head, then I mean, yeah, I won't hold back, but. Yeah. A lot of the times I end up telling them, look, I am sorry, but I just, I just don't do that anymore. I don't like thinking about that shit. You know, when I right. make legal stuff, I have somebody else do it. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I, I much prefer doing what I do now and to, to the point where I just don't want to think about that other stuff. So I can't imagine doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can understand that. 
and relate to that completely. Um, so if you were talking to someone who was sort of in a firm, not loving what they were doing, do you have any sort of, you know, not necessarily specific to photography, just but advice on how to approach sort of thinking about a transition? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, just in general, I'd say that you got to treat it like starting any business. Um, if, you know, somebody's established a business and it's firing on all cylinders, and, and again, we probably all know people like this who have multiple businesses, you know, they, they yeah. explore it a little bit. Hey, how, what's my market going to be? How much money can I make doing it? What, what do I need? What, what are the costs going to be? All that businessy stuff that I'm really not very good at, frankly. Those are the, you know, I'd explore it like that. You may look at it and go, hey, it's actually my work. Uh, but I would definitely encourage people to be in a position where uh, they don't have to worry too much about the transitional period. Um, I'll mention something else, too, because this comes up in some of the podcasts, uh, this idea of the prestige of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I know some people have talked about how that might be a factor and whether they jump or not. Um, and I think I have a weird perspective on it. Uh, I, I mean, I certainly didn't feel like being a lawyer was not a prestigious job, but I probably didn't feel like it's as prestigious as a lot of lawyers do. Yeah. It's three years. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like a doctor or something. It's funny. Years ago, I got in an argument with a guy who was an MG, MBJD. So he'd done it both. And yeah, I, uh, my ex-wife went to medical school for a couple of years before she realized she hated that. I yeah. saw the amount of information she had to digest, and it was insane. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we want them to have to work that hard because it's a lot. You want your lawyer to re- or your doctor, rather, to really know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. So law school is like trade school. Um, yeah. And I didn't think that I was taking a prestige hit at all. And I think it was two factors. One, it was what I was jumping into. Like, if I took pictures of kids' birthday parties, I don't care if I'm the best that there ever was and ever will be. Yeah, I might feel a little funny about that. Uh, yeah. Or you might, but someone else might not, right? Yeah. Like, it's all personal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just yeah. how I felt about it. I was jumping yeah. into something where I was going to be working with wealthy professional people who were going to hire me as an expert and a trusted probably because they thought that I was the best that they'd ever seen. And so that felt good. Yeah. Um, And then the other aspect to it was the fact that I had this passion for it and I felt like I was doing it really well and was getting better at it all the time. Um, And so those two aspects made it where not only did I feel like I was not taking a prestige hit, I felt like it was a little more prestigious, frankly. It's more interesting. Like if you'd asked me, when I was a lawyer, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like companies suing each other. Oh, okay. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing. And now I've got to really concentrate to not be that boorish guy at dinner who talks about himself and what he does all the time because that's what I want. Right. I know, but that is totally the sign of loving what you do, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, I should probably get us to wrap up, but um, before I do, um, can you tell us where people can find you? 
Uh, yeah, the main source of information is my website, and um, it's funny. Talk about luck. This is another good uh, a luck situation. When I it was first setting all this stuff up, I thought, all right, I got to have a website. So what did I go look for? I went for look for ChrisGillette.com. Not available in my there's no e on the end like they're supposed to be like the yeah have. and i know i almost mis- misspelled that when i was writing your name today there's a christian <laughs> opera guy there's a christian actor in fact he had a song yeah. in that uh that recent uh yeah. scorsese what's it yeah mm-hmm. well when you lived in boston for as many years as i did gillette stadium is sort of <laughs> permanent spelling in your head <laughs> So there's, you know, I've got this weird spelling to my name, and I just would have, like a dummy, got, I mean, but I, I would have just got crystalette.com, and that's it. And so I had to come up with something else. And I'm I'm used to telling people, like, I don't care if you mispronounce my name. But if, if they're going to do it repeatedly and maybe feel embarrassed, I'll correct them. And I always tell them it's pronounced like the razor. And yeah. that's my domain. It's www.liketherazor.com. Ah. A-E, the definite article B and then a rate. Yes. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, tumble to it, but uh, yeah. yeah. And tell people where you're based. I'm in Houston, Texas, fourth largest yeah. city in the United States. Well, Chris, thank you again so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Megan, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your interest.